Hey, B. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a question? Always. What's the one thing when we travel that we always make sure we find? Oh, coffee. You know, bad coffee makes my brain angry. And we've been a lot of places. We've had a lot of coffee. But when we're home, there's only one place that we get coffee from. Yeah. Hacienda Real in Costa Rica. We found this place when we were in Costa Rica a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's a micro roastery using only Costa Rican beans. Their blend is a mix of Arabica and Peaberry. And if you don't know about Peaberry, you need to find out about it because mm. it is amazing. It takes all the bitterness out. All the bitterness out. And we place orders and it's shipped directly to our door. You can get light, medium, or dark roast. You can get ground. You can get whole bean. And it is roasted to order. So there is a date stamped on your coffee so you know when it was roasted and bagged. It's good for a year after you order it. And it is the best coffee that we have ever had. So click the link in our show notes or go to goldenbean.net and use the offer code COFCHR20 for 10% off your order. Hacienda Real. Keep your brain happy. Hey, Dante. Hey, B. Looking pretty smart in your undies. Thanks. I've been doing my deads. <laughs> oh, I can see that. But it's not just what's in them. It's what's on them. Oh yeah, I got on my smart-ass undies. They're not just super comfy. They've got cheeky motivations on them that keep me in the right state of mind. Oh yeah, like we could all use a little brain lift these days, am I right? They're also lovingly made from sustainable, low-impact materials. So we can love the planet and cover our asses all at the same time. Motivate your ass with smart-ass undies. Click the link in the show notes or on the Things We Love page on our website. And remember to enter the discount code CHEATINGONFEAR10 for 10% off your order. Smart ass undies. Cheeky and comfy. Hey everyone, this is Dante. And I'm Beatrice. And this is Cheating Off Here. Welcome back, everybody. We are back. Yes, we are. All right. What are we going to talk about today? Well, You know, everything's about like sort of the post-pandemic world as we're kind of rolling out of this Mm -hmm. little by little. And I think that, you know, relationships have taken a bit of a beating over this last little bit. Yeah, especially if you've been in a shitty one. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are having a lot of conversations that they wouldn't ordinarily have and really looking at their relationships because, you know, they've had a, a lot of the other social interactions greatly reduced if not eliminated yeah and so you know your partner's kind of been it for the last year and a bit and i think that coming out of this a lot of people are starting to look at their relationships in a different way Mm -hmm. and they also might be talking about trying some things Mm -hmm. and going on some new adventures together and having experiences that they probably were too deep-seated in their comfort zone to even consider before. So what I want to talk about today, I think a lot of people are starting to talk about opening their relationship a little bit or trying some non-monogamy. And I thought it might be helpful if, you know, there's a lot of myths flying around. Sure. Especially, especially if you're not experienced in this relationship model and you don't know anybody who is experienced in this relationship model where are you going to get any accurate information? You're I mean, only going to hear about the ones that went badly. I mean, the internet is fine, but I but I think... Oh, yeah. I, Google anything on the internet. I'm sure it's going to be completely wholesome. Just don't Google your symptoms. Right. I think that it's, this is one of those things where you need to talk to someone who is successfully doing this. Yes. And it's not easy to find a sex-positive therapist here in Canada. We don't have the same resources available to us. No, I mean... The way they do in the States. We've never looked for one. I mean, our therapist is pretty sex positive. Yeah, but she doesn't bill herself as or have any no. kind of credentials to no. say that she is. I mean, we don't have we don't have a Canadian equivalent to ASECT. No, we? no, we don't. No. Not that I'm aware of. No. Brave ones hit us up if we miss yeah. something. I'd love to put it in the show notes. So I thought it might be interesting today. And you've you've been reading about this, thinking about this, practicing this longer than I have. Yeah, it's going on 
six or seven years. Oh, six, seven well, years? When did you read Sex at Dawn? 2015, 2014? 2014, I want to say. So yeah, right. like so seven, seven years. years. So seven years. Yeah, yeah so yeah. that's a long time. And, yeah. and you've, you know, you have some academic background in yeah, your yeah. in your anthropology studies and and your reading and your experience and i i've had some too so non-monogamy experience yeah oh yeah yeah we, yeah i remember that <laughs> i might be like you what <laughs> yeah i and this is the thing like i think when you've been in in this when you learn about non-monogamy and you start to explore it you sort of forget about being that that babe in the woods, so to speak, mm-hmm. where you just don't realize anything exists. And I was having a conversation with a dear one of mine not too long ago, and they were asking me questions, and they were so, and, and this is no shade, but like such like newbie level questions right. about stuff where you think, wow, like am I so deep into this now that I just don't, see the entry points like no pun intended but (laughs) (laughs) right where where you just you know there there may be people walking around that are kind of interested in in exploring things but they just don't know where to start or they and we've we've had our episode of kind of like non-monogamy 101 and all that kind of stuff but i but this episode i really want to get at the myths that are still floating around Mm -hmm. about non-monogamy and i think even some of the languaging like i think like when people talk about polyamory, and that's kind of different than non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. It's a brand of non-monogamy. A flavor of, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm going to throw some of the most common myths at you, and I want you to speak to those. Okay. And, and put on your best anthropology hat. Right. So if somebody, like if somebody was coming to me and being like, well, I heard that this was a thing, and then, and then I would do my best to like... Yeah, me. I'm going to say, I heard this is a thing. Okay. Oh, you're going to... All right. I'm with you. I got it. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. myth number one. How many myths are there? I I prefer not to say. Oh, okay. All right. We're just going to go with it. Okay. Myth be, number one. Be open. <laughs> okay. Myth number one, that it is all about sex and that people that are in non-monogamous relationships are completely indiscriminate and it's just all about sex. It's about orgies. It's about chasing people's spouses it's about like nobody is safe when there is a non-monogamous couple around or a non-monogamous person around so (laughs) so that one (laughs) can be true (laughs) but is mostly false how so well a very close friend of mine one of my warriors actually I was going to remind you if you didn't. (laughs) Recently, we were having, I mean, we've been having a couple of beers and so everybody was feeling, feeling nice and chill and relaxed and, and, and the nature. Everyone. There was just two of you. It was just the two of us. But the nature of B and I's relationship became the subject of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And he confided in me that an ex-girlfriend of his that we had gone out to dinner with the four of us a couple of times had, had said afterwards that... Uh, you you know they're trying to swing with us, right? <laughs> and, and what's funny about that was, yeah, is that I didn't like her at no, all. No, but you were trying to be sweet and and pleasant because he's a good friend of mine. Yes, and that's the woman he's chosen to be with, and so we could yes. give her the respect. And so of you're being respectful and friendly, and and yeah. have a fun time, and not just be like staring at each other giving each other shade the whole time right and i remember you telling me that and i was just like wow it's like you can't even be nice and he's not friendly. with her he's not with her anymore no that's why we can tell that story yeah, yeah. But, but but i remember being so like i feel so attacked mm-hmm. like i i'm just trying to be friendly like we're so pred- you'd be friendly to somebody you think they're trying to sleep with you and and the thing is is i don't think it's he- kind of like when when like super straight identifying guys are around a gay man and they're like well i don't want them to hit on me and it's like bitch relax yeah, bro, Nobody, you're, you're not my type like no one's gonna hit on you no and and when i and so i i took the opportunity to say to him like wow isn't that funny 
Because in the time, he had no idea what the nature of our relationship was. Right. And for her to say that was kind of interesting. And I had to say to him, I'm like, you know, dude, just because technically we can fuck anyone doesn't mean we want to or are fucking everybody. Mm-hmm. And and I try to bring it into terms of people who aren't doing this can understand. It's like, okay, you're a straight guy, right? You Do you see women that you're attracted to? Yeah. Does that mean you're fucking all of them? Like, you have control over that, too. It's not like you're in an open relationship and you mindlessly just fuck everybody that you see because you're in an open relationship. There's the same kind of ideas behind control and things like that. But, well, and discussion. Well, and discussion. And that's the thing. And this goes back and to the boundaries. myth. This goes back to the myth that, yeah, for a lot of people, the impetus for opening up a relationship can be to have new and novel forms of sex that they weren't having in their relationship. That can absolutely be a motiva- motivating factor behind it. Mm-hmm. But again, you'd be on a sex offender list if you were just <laughs> running around fucking everything that you saw. Well, I wouldn't be. But- okay, yeah, well... <laughs> Um, so I, so yeah, so this is why I think that that myth is, is true in the sense that, yeah, it can, opening up a relationship can be about sex, Mm -hmm. but false in the sense that it's not all about orgies and things like that. And even, even the trajectory that we've taken in our flavor of non-monogamy has never been about, you know, body counts or notch counts or how many people we can sleep with or, or how many how many bi-curious women you can make fully buy or, or you know, like it's never, it's never been about that. It's for us, it's always been about going on sexual adventures in our case together. Yes. And all of that entails. And it, and it was all about quality and connection and not about random hookups and quantity, which people can do. And it's, and that's, that's, totally fine and that's where the discussion and the communication has to come in where you and your partner have to decide what are your motivate what are your motivations what what are your fantasies what are your what do you what are your comfort levels and and talk through all of this and i think long before a relationship gets open there has to be a lot of communication which can be sexy and can help build you up to the to actually going through with it but i think that communication has to you have to set the groundwork of good communication otherwise it's the the chance of that relationship being successfully open is not high. I also want to make a point that it's not just about sex, period. Like for me, the fact that we practice a brand of non-monogamy, sure, it's some of it is about sex, but some of it isn't about sex. And so it's some of the things that some of the activities that we're able to engage in comfortably that would be problematic for a lot of closed monogamous couples. So me expressing to you when I find a man attractive or you expressing to me when you find a woman attractive. And most of the time, cause we like the same, we have the same taste in women. I go, Oh fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or, 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 you know, having conversations on dating apps with other people because, because that's part of, you know, the process, learning, yeah. like trying to meet people that, you know, we may want to spend time with or whatever, or there, I have friends of the opposite sex. You have friends of the opposite sex that we spend time with. And it's not, there's not that same sense of discomfort and jealousy and suspicion that you would normally have. Because it's like, if you wanted something with someone in our circle or somewhere, you know, then, then we would talk about that. Right. So it's not just about sex. It's about the things around sex Mm -hmm. that are easier for us to talk about. And it's easy to talk about, you know, what kind of porn you like or what what I'm finding is turning me on right now. Or, you know what I mean? Because you're used to that 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 open communication about what you want, then even things that don't have anything to do with having actual sex with another person outside your relationship Right. Like, and so I think that a lot of people, they go straight to the, everybody's hanging from the rafters. Nobody, anybody that steps into this house isn't safe. Like it's just, I I think, I think a lot of that has to do with jealousy and how people deal with jealousy in a monogamous relationship and in a non-monogamous relationship. I think a lot of those fears stem from, from some type of jealousy that is something that has to be dealt with and overcome 
to have a non-monogamous relationship. Otherwise, there's always going to be conflict points. Every time you go and do something, somebody's going to get their feelings hurt and it's going to be a problem. And you're either going to not continue doing it or you're going to end up breaking up with that person because they're just incompatible there. So, Well, that that was a beautiful segue into my next myth. And I, I haven't even seen these myths. You have not seen the list on purpose. I love it. I have a lot of lists I don't show you. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot. There's, there is one <laughs> list in particular. The checklist. The fuck it list, sorry. The fuck it the list. The fuck it list. <laughs> this yeah. is not the fuck it list. It's time to dive back into the fuck it list. Oh, can we? There's not a lot left. Uh, yeah. I'm not gonna, I mean, you know. So the next myth that I wanted to present to you is that non-monogamy doesn't work because humans are gen- jealous by nature. Okay. Doctor of anthropology, please address that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Dawn by Christopher Ryan and Casilda Jethy is my kind of go-to in this because they kind of tackle that notion that, or tackle the notion that monogamy is the default position for Homo sapiens. Mm-hmm. And up until about the advent of agriculture, most human societies had some version of non-monogamy built in there especially when you get to hunter-gatherer type societies there's almost never any kind of monogamy practiced in those communities and we know that not by looking at like a fossil record of it but by looking at hunter-gatherer nomadic people that currently exist on the planet not you know that have laptops and computers and do all that kind of stuff but that anthropologists go out and and study and so I don't think it's a default position. I think jealousy is is the result of needing to know who fathered the child. Because a woman knows that she is the mother of the child that she gave birth to. Unless you're Mary Magdalene, I guess, but... That was a, you mean the Virgin Mary? The Virgin Mary. Those, there's two different Marys. Oh, two, sorry. See, yeah. I, I'm exposing my... my. Yeah. I'm a bad Italian. <laughs> but but a woman... Let's not go there. But a right? woman always knows. A woman, woman knows for sure that that is her baby. Right? But her partner doesn't really know 100% that that is... That is because we have Their concealed child. fertility. Because women have concealed fertility. And and I mean, obviously if you're a white dude and the baby comes out black, there's a there's a pretty good chance that that not necessarily, not necessarily though, because there have been cases where yeah, the genetically but because of recessive genes. Recessive and, genes and things like that. But you know what I, you know what I'm getting at, right? That for the most part, that baby comes out and you have no way of telling that that baby is yours. And when agriculture became a thing 40-ish thousand years ago, an accumulation of land and property came with it. And you wanted to make sure as the owner of that land and property that your woman, who was also your property, was only you were only looking after your own offspring who would then carry on looking after your property and all that kind of stuff there. And I think from that point forward, that's where you see monogamy and kind of the cultural record of, of humans being kind of the default, I'm using air quotes, like default position but 40,000 years of cultural evolution does not overcome millions of years of biological evolution. And again, in Sexodot, they go, they, they point to a lot of things about looking at our, our closest non-human primate relatives and looking at like mating strategies, testicular volume, like all sorts of things that go to that, that point to the fact that if, if we were meant to be monogamous, there's all these biological reasons that Never mind the fact that it's so hard for so many people to actually be truly mm-hmm. monogamous, but there's all these biological evolutionary traits that would that would seem to support that monogamy is not the default position. Right, but let's talk about let's talk about all the instances where there is no property involved and there is no child involved. Mm-hmm. Jealousy really is the issue that the feeling that you have when someone else is getting something that you think is for you. Right. But there is property involved because when you are in a relationship with somebody, they are, quote, yours, right? But that's what I want to get at. Okay. The the myth being that non-monogamy doesn't work in the long term. It doesn't work because 
humans are jealous by nature mm-hmm. and it's just it, it just can't work what do you say to that what do you do about and this i think this is the number one question what do you do about jealousy yeah we're jealous but but jealousy and non-monogamy aren't mutually exclusive no. like like you can't i can't say that you know it's it's not that jealousy goes away but how, how do you speak to that how like what what do you when somebody says well what about jealousy and I'm sure your friends have asked you that like what about jealousy don't you oh, get jealous yeah you get oh, I could so, never I could never watch I could my, never do that like yeah. that make I'm too jealous mm-hmm. I'm too jealous mm-hmm. I could never do that what do you what do you say to that well I always say to them like here's a newsflash you you never have your partner right from from it could be something as simple as because they step off the curb without looking get hit by a bus to they could decide one day that they're just tired of your shit and they move on. Like there's nothing that guarantees that that person, despite what some of these red pill dudes do to try to get there to guarantee the fact that there's nowhere, there's no way for their, their partner to leave them, but there's nothing you can do. If, if somebody wants to leave, they're going to leave. But leaving is different than cheating. It is. And when it comes to, to, to jealousy, you have to, first of all, accept the fact that your partner is only with you because they want to be with you. Mm-hmm. And I think if you can understand the fact that they're, that doesn't mean that there isn't love involved. And it doesn't mean that you don't have a great relationship understanding the fact that they can just go. I think you need to be conscious of the fact and work towards making sure that they always want to be with you. And if you have a good relationship and you have good communication, you're able to talk about anything that might come up, including jealous feelings. And I think that's the point is that jealousy is an emotion just like anything else. Yeah. I think that a lot of people give so much power to jealousy. Like yeah. Where you're like, I don't want to feel jealous because that's the worst fucking feeling in the world. So I want to avoid that feeling at all costs. And then end and up so, just stuffing it inside and it festers yeah. inside you. Yeah. And, and, and I think that jealousy is one of those things that like, it's so powerful when you feel it because it's like, it's like a compound feeling. Yeah. And, and fear and, and anger and, and anxiety and feeling of not being enoughness and all, all these all, all these emotions. And there are people, there's some podcasts that I've listened to where, you know, one of the hosts will say, you know, my superpower is I don't feel jealousy. That's awesome. That's mm-hmm. fantastic, right? However, <laughs> however, most people do feel jealousy and and we've been doing this for a while mm-hmm. and jealousy still rears its ugly head sure. from time to time sure it does i mean last night why are you gesturing because i'm about like to that? tell a story last night mm-hmm. we had a conversation yep that two events had happened and mm-hmm. you thought they might be connected connected somebody from my past had had randomly reached out to me on on facebook and i had a conversation with them which you told me about which i told you about Mostly because they live in a place where we want to go soon. And I was curious how COVID was affecting that mm. that place. And then for whatever reason, I had seemed to be more distracted and, and, and less on top of things to you. And less attentive. And less attentive. And you felt like that meant that there was maybe more going on than I had told you with this person from my past. Mm-hmm. And even now after all that we've talked about and all the things that we've done, it still took a little coaxing by me to get out of you what was going on. And I think there was a bit of jealousy behind there because jealous of, of me spent me not, first of all, being, being concerned that maybe I'm not telling the truth and I'm hiding stuff from you, Mm -hmm. but also jealousy that maybe, you know, but I'm diverting. I'm I'm taking my attention away from you and giving it to somebody else. And this this is kind of the thing, you know. We we've done we've talked about the the post pandemic world and that kind of thing, and how a, a a possible new strain on relationships may be the expansion of people's individual social circles again, mm-hmm. and the time that they're spending with other people where they're used to spending so much time. With, with their, their SO, partner. yeah, yeah. And what that's going to feel like. And I think that was sort of a, where you think, okay, well, 
and and it's sort of like well spending time with your kids that's fine mm-hmm. and, and and spending time doing your work stuff is fine and but i'm not i don't know if i'm prepared to go back <laughs> into the do you know what i mean you get lulled into this comfort zone yeah. where you know we we haven't had certain conversations about stuff or we haven't had to work through stuff because there just hasn't been a reason to mm-hmm. but i think that because of the things that we have done already and all that kind of stuff is that that could have been a lot bigger of an issue than it was. Yeah. Yeah, I want to talk about these kinds of things because I know from personal experience that the longer you let those kinds of fears and concerns fester, first of all, the bigger they end up seeming. Mm-hmm. And second of all, it's, it's perfect fertile ground for resentment to develop. No, absolutely. And resentment kills a lot of shit, not the least of which libido and desire. That is, yeah, resentment kills libido so so quick. And that's the other thing too, you know, people are also, people are a lot of things by nature, Mm -hmm. but that's why we have these giant frontal cortexes (laughs) to sort through and take a breath and work through those things. And yeah, I mean, jealousy Jealousy is like a a little thermostat for me, too. Sometimes a little bit of anger or a little bit of jealousy like alerts you to, this is something that we need to talk about. This is something that I need to bring up. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that it has to control you. It doesn't mean that it has to send you over the edge. It doesn't mean that you have to lie in a puddle on the floor and deal with that. There are ways to deal with that. So, yeah, we, we do have jealous feelings most people have jealous feelings but it doesn't mean that it's an unworkable situation it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that you can't get better at that Mm -hmm. so and and i think that the payoffs if that's something that you're interested in exploring with with your partner the payoffs for that are so much bigger than an occasional what do we call them flashes of jealousy yeah yeah Yeah. and it's a good communication strategy to learn Mm mm-hmm is how to how to deal with negative emotions like jealousy that come up, or any of them, or anger, any, fear, any any, of any, them. any of those kind of negative emotions, because you are going to have to be better than you currently are communicating with your partner if you're mm-hmm. going to navigate an open relationship mm-hmm. of any kind. No, absolutely, you have to be, unless it's a DADT. Don't ask, don't tell. But in in my experience, that's been difficult to maintain in the long term it's really it's it's really not ideal unless you're spending a lot of time apart yeah like unless like unless your schedules are like totally you know unpredictable and and that 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 can be very problematic. It's, 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 it, it, it it comes with its own challenges yeah yeah okay next, next one non-monogamous people have a higher risk of contracting stis okay this one comes up a lot a lot and but it also comes back to communication again. I think, and my counter to that is always, well, just because you're in a monogamous relationship doesn't mean that you're not at risk of STIs. Especially if one or both partners are having sex outside of the relationship, any kind of sex, because they're coming back into the relationship presumably not using any form of protection because if you're in a long-term monogamous relationship you're not other than maybe some birth control you're maybe not using condoms or things like that and if your partner goes out and fucks somebody else are they using a condom are they having a talk about about sexual health or anything with this person that they're fucking i'm thinking in my head of one person that you know that is engaged in an extramarital affair Mm -hmm. and is raw dogging both of them yes her husband, and her lover. Yes. And there's no way in hell this other dude is not fucking other women. <laughs> well, we don't know that for no, sure. No, I'm certain. But, I'm but certain. That's a perfect example of a lot of the data that comes out of people that are cheating on their spouses. Mm-hmm. Where there's infidelity, I think that Where the there's risk infidelity, is yeah. condom use is very low. Yeah. So, so what are what are the stats on non-monogamous people and STI rates versus monogamous people? The only thing that comes out is that it's no higher. Yeah. 
than 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 in monogamous relationships right. and i feel like in a lot of ways it's probably lower because i think there's a bit of a sampling bias going on because monogamous people generally don't feel the need to get tested for stis unless there's a problem oh yeah that's true too yeah right point, yeah. so it's a symptomatic test which is kind of like a self-selected population mm. versus people who do non-monogamy responsibly who get tested probably more regularly or at least get more asymptomatic testing done mm -hmm. like our schedule just of, on a regular schedule yeah like yeah. we have a schedule where both of us get tested a couple of times a year on alternating times so one of us is getting tested like every couple of months and because we're fluid bonded if one of us had something the other chances are the it. other one would have it as yeah, well yeah, yeah. so it's not a perfect gauge but it's a good indicator so well, if you couple that with our safe sex practices. And then the safer sex practices that we employ with people that we have. Do you remember that couple who was like shaming us for getting tested? Yeah. They were like, uh, wow, you get you get tested a lot. Like, you must be doing this a lot. And we were like, um, excuse me. And we're like, and you guys aren't getting tested? They hadn't gotten tested at all. Yeah. And you know what? That was a great. We didn't that have was, sex with them. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, okay, cool. Well, it was nice meeting you. Bye. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. It was me with a parachute. Yeah. Like, it's not. I, I think that. The stats that come out that say that there's no difference, I think, are actually misleading mm. because of those reasons there. But I, I still think it's pretty interesting when, when people think that, you know, one of one of the cited reasons for being in a monogamous relationship is not have to worry about yeah. contracting STIs. And that is not the case. No. And people get some nasty shit. <sighs> yeah. And if you and, and if you don't get tested because you assume that your partner is healthy and you're healthy, there are a lot of silent STIs mm -hmm. that you could be carrying around for a really, really long time. Mm -hmm. And then what happens? That relationship may end and you go forward into the dating world without knowing mm -hmm. what your sexual health status and, is. And don't let and don't let your primary care physician tell you you don't need to get tested just because you're in a monogamous relationship no. if you want to get tested that's up to you absolutely yeah don't let that shame kind of come in for yeah, advocate. advocate for yourself yeah but yeah and and this is the thing too because you're used to having these difficult conversations with your partner then you have these conversations with other people yeah, with and prospective say, partners as this well is, this is what we do this is how we do things what's your status what is you know when was the last time you were tested and if they don't want to answer those questions or if they are you know, seem offended or shamey about answering or asking those questions, then you don't want to fuck with those people yeah. because what does that tell you? That tells you that sexual health is of, of, of the, that couple and you are not a priority. And that's just not the way we, we do stuff. And I think it's, I think that's an important thing. Sorry, B's just adjusting her mic there. Sorry, it's falling down. It's okay. Yeah, this is getting a little low. It's getting a little limp. Yeah. Just... <laughs> uh oh, it's been up for too long. Uh oh, it's been up for too <laughs> Notice long. Notice my mic is in perfect position. Wow. <laughs> Even after you fixed the bed. <laughs> yeah, we broke my bed today. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Can I? Go. I just wanted to. It was very impressive because <laughs> you know we were doing our thing on a. You know our Saturdays are like. I'm usually an early riser and mm -hmm. you pretty much like part of me is an early riser. If you didn't have kids, maybe not, but I'm, I'm very much an early riser, but like Saturday mornings when we're together, we have two of them a month. House is empty. House is empty. We just kind of stay in bed, drink coffee, read the news, rage about people and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, we get down to business and, you know, doing some shit. And today the fucking middle just dropped right out of your bed. Mm -hmm. And so... <laughs> I backed up off mm -hmm. of the bed mm -hmm. and you ran downstairs naked to get the tools you needed yep. and stuff to fix it. And Buckets, he, wood glue. And we got, we, we jacked your bed up on a couple of Home Depot buckets. <laughs> and I was just kind of standing there going, he is under the bed naked right now, fixing it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, when you got up to go and get the buckets and the tools and stuff, you were still rock hard. And then when you got back, kind of you know a, a quarter down and then by the time you came out from under the bed and had vacuumed up all of the Freaking all of the wood chips and shit the debris from, yeah you know it was kind of like starting from scratch and you just like you barely skipped a beat you were just right back you're like all right yeah well now it's back on, to this thing come on back yeah this thing 
And uh, I was really impressed with that. Well, thank you. I'm you glad know? I could impress you. Yeah, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like that's the kind of handyman I can get under. <laughs> or on. Well, yeah, or on whichever, whichever, whoever's turn it is. So SDIs, yeah, I, I think, I think, and there's also just one last point about that. I think that there's also a misconception that sex workers are also going to have a much higher rate of of STIs and I think the data shows that most sex workers don't because they are they have a lot of risk aware sex practices the way that a lot of people who do non-monogamy and there are some people that that just like in every type of relationship there are people out there that just fuck whoever they want fuck protection all that never get tested but if you're concerned about your health or the health of your partner that might be a a, a warning sign that those aren't the type of people that you want to be with and I think it's important to make the point about sex workers because I think a lot of times when previously monogamous couples start to think about opening their relationship, the first thing is the threesome mm-hmm. to think about, right? And yeah. a lot of times... Usually the, the, they'll, the they'll, FMF or FFM. Yeah. And and so to be one of, the, one of the things that makes them feel safer is to hire a sex worker for that mm-hmm. threesome. Well, yeah, because you're not paying them for the sex, you're paying them to leave after the sex yes as uncle dan always says yes he does he does say that yeah and i mean they're still human beings yeah, but of course treat them with, with respect yeah but you don't have to decide who gets to keep the room afterwards no 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 you get to keep the room okay <laughs> so another myth is that there is something inherently damaging about having sex with other people within the confines of a romantic relationship. Ooh, that is straight out of the playbook of an open under duress or poly under duress person. Mm, and what does that mean? So if you are in a relationship, a monogamous relationship, and one party approaches the other party about changing the boundaries of that monogamous relationship in some way, if that other party isn't open to it, that's often used as kind of ammunition to shame the person who brought forward opening up the relationship in, in, in some way. That if if there there must be something wrong with you because if there isn't, you wouldn't be asking to do these kinds of things. It goes back to the whole monogamy is the default position. If you want to do something other than the default position is because you're defective in some way or there's something wrong with you. Yeah, I, there was there's a couple that can sort of get lumped in together, I think, in that, that there's something wrong with you for asking Mm -hmm. there's something wrong with you that you even want to have a relationship container that's anything other than monogamous Mm -hmm. that that there's there is something inherently wrong with your character Mm -hmm. that you are incapable i'm doing the air bunnies Mm -hmm. again incapable of monogamy because and and again that sort of raises monogamy to the ideal and the anything other than that is is a problem is a problem and that it's damaging it's damaging to the relationship itself mm-hmm. but i i think the the poly under duress is about you know there's also the other part the other half of the couple who's kind of being dragged along right and that that is inherently damaging and sometimes when one person wants to open the relationship and the other person doesn't, then that's also the shaming goes both ways yeah, where it's like, yeah, yeah. you know, why don't you want to do this for me? Like I've heard stories about women whose partners dump them because they wouldn't do a threesome or they wouldn't allow this kind of activity or they didn't want to do that. And so I think that kind of shaming and damage goes both ways, mm-hmm. but does that have to do with non-monogamy or is that just a bad relationship to begin with? yeah and yeah <laughs> it, it kind of is all of that that if you are in a relationship with somebody who doesn't value you as a person or your wants and desires that could be a sign that maybe that person isn't right for you like and sexual inca- incompatibility is a really really big i thing. don't think enough people place a high enough importance on sexual compatibility Look, if if sex isn't important in your relationship and you find somebody who also feels the same way, Yahtzee, you guys, you've hit the jackpot. Mm -hmm. I also don't want people to think that that being monogamous is a failure in some way. If if both partners have a conversation, discuss boundaries, wants, desires, and 
come out as, yeah, no, monogamy works for us. Like, that's what we both want. Cool. Also cool. I think the problem is, is people, and we've talked about this in earlier episodes about the way we're socialized, what we see in media and television, movies, all that kind of music, that monogamy, it, we default to monogamy without ever having a conversation on what that actually means. And if you approach your partner, if you've given some considerate thought, you haven't done shady shit, or even if you have done shady shit, but you want to come clean and you want to have a conversation, you want to be in a relationship with your partner, but you want to change the kind of default position of the relationship, whether it was discussed or not discussed, and they look at you like you just grew another head or something like that. <laughs> and not the good kind. And not the good kind. Then 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 that might be that might mean that, that relationship has run its course and it might be time to consider ending that relationship and it gets super complicated when there are children or marriage or property or businesses or all these kinds of things go in there and some people might feel like that complication is worth just ignoring that but i think everybody deserves to be happy and as long as that happiness doesn't infringe on somebody else i think you should pursue that happiness i also think that's why it's important to find a sex positive therapist because you're thinking about these things because there are there are a lot of therapists out there who still think that this is like a mental disorder Mm -hmm. where there is something mentally wrong with you there is something wrong with your character if you want to have a non-monogamous relationship if you are not interested in monogamy, whether it's social or sexual. And this is the thing, there's so many different ways that this can be expressed. And I I think that a lot of times people assume whenever there's a conversation about non-monogamy or polyamory or anything along that spectrum, that it's, you know, relationship anarchy where it's just, you know, sex with anybody and everyone and it's indiscriminate and I love you is for everybody and mm-hmm. nobody's special and it's just fucking debauchery and 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 no feelings and no depth. And I, I think that that's what scares a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Well, because, because really, when you're in a, a, ro- a romantic relationship with someone, you want to feel special yeah. to that person. And I think that a lot of people that don't have a lot of experience with this feel that all of this is going to mean that you're no longer special mm. to your partner. And that's very threatening and very scary. Mm-hmm. And that's where the jealousy starts to come in and take over, where you just imagine all of these horrific things well and also that feeling that maybe you're not enough well you're not well and that's the reality thank you dr murray but <laughs> yeah and dan and dr. And, doc- and, and uncle and dan uncle dan but that that's it people people want their partner to be everything to them that, how, that sounds exhausting well it's a lot of pressure on both parties yeah because if you expect your partner to be everything to be everything to you then then it would stand a reason that they expect you to be everything to them as well best friend confidant playmate like support system everything it's tough yeah and and i think i think this this pandemic has shown a lot of people how mm. exhausting it is to be everything for your partner mm-hmm. it's not easy to do that that's yeah. a lot and i and i think that's what's getting people a lot of people starting to think about about non-monogamy in a different way mm-hmm. that they're not all of it is about sex it may just be about you know even the idea of the romantic friendship right. where you have someone of the opposite sex or or you know the the same sex mm-hmm. that you that you might be attracted to but y- you have a relationship with that person that doesn't it could include sex but it doesn't have to but it's sort of a depth of emotion or or a level of intimacy that a lot of people in monogamous relationships might find threatening and to allow space for that is a really big thing and i think it's a real evolution of a relationship where it's it kind of it's an evolution but also like a throwback Mm -hmm. to 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 those societies that you alluded to earlier in the episode where everybody was just kind of a group and you you know had sex with people and you went had different hunting groups and different gathering groups and different social groups and 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 sex was is used as a social bonding agent yeah which is what we see in a lot of non-human primates. Well, our bon- the bonobos do that. That's yep. our closest primate relative, right? Yep. And that's what they use. And they they 
It's conflict resolution. It's relationship building. Stress relief. Yeah, it builds coalitions. Like it, yeah. it, it sex has a lot of great things. Well, I remember when we were watching Three Hundred. Yeah. Because we hadn't watched it together. We're doing this thing where like we didn't know each other our whole lives, so like we're watching like iconic movies and programs together to like have that different experience. It's kind of fun. Actually. It is a lot of fun. And we were watching Three Hundred, and you talked about something, and they sort of allude to that in the mm-hmm. movie. But what did you, what was the little, and I was like, wow. So I'm going to push my little, my glasses up here. And, and, well, actually. and actually, uh, I, in university, I did a minor in classics, which was basically studying Greek and Roman, the Greek and Roman world. That's super hot, by the way. Yes. And super like, oh, I'll get a job doing something. I'm going to study classics. Like, <laughs> right. And the Spartans in particular. So 300 got a lot of things right, but obviously there's a lot of liberty taken with that as well. It was a Frank Miller comic, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, the Spartans I'm, were... I'm sure, I'm sure the like exposed abs were not a part of it. Yeah, no. no. Um, the, the, in, in, in the ancient Greek world, the Spartans were famed for their warrior abilities. They were, they were very proficient mm-hmm. at warfare, just like they derived the Athenians as just being a bunch of... Gov- government officials and and you know and and, and who are the ones who, was it the Syracusans that came with them uh in the 300 like oh i brought an army uh, you only brought 100 men or 300 men oh, i brought 300 a- warriors acadians. the acadians the acadians, acadians that's it yeah so one of the you ways see, you see their old friend <laughs> i brought more soldiers than you did <laughs> yeah oh, leonidas so so the spartans one of the ways that they 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 realize very quickly that you will fight for something harder if you love it. Right. Right. And you you can try and instill love of country and love of cause and all those kinds of things. But at the basis level. So nebulous. Right. At the basis level, those physical sort of needs are are one of the easiest ones to kind of attach to. So the ancient Greeks recognize that there were a lot of different types of love okay and the two kind of ones that that play into the the myth of the 300 were eros and philia okay so eros or erotic love eros was the god of fertility was the idea of like sexual passion and desire right procreative sex that kind of stuff but philia the ph for for philia was like a deep friendship and the Greeks actually held that type of love at a higher standard than the baser kind of animalistic okay. erotic love, okay. right? And in the 300, there were two characters. Two of my, one was my favorite. Yeah, who had this really sort of jovial, bro-y type relationship. But then one of them gets killed. Mm-hmm. The other guy loses his shit, mm-hmm. and it goes far beyond just a comrade has fallen. Mm-hmm. They actually were fucking. They were lovers. They yeah. were lovers, and and that sort of pair bond was encouraged in in the Spartan army because the idea that you would protect your lover to, to the death, yeah, you would fight yeah. far harder than just some general who said, "Go do this shit," you know, right, 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 whatever. Right. And then it gets hard, and you're like, "I'm out of here." Yeah, you know, if, if you're if you're fighting to protect your lover, right. It's going to be a little bit of a different sort of thing there. Also really hot. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't think 300 could get any hotter, but I was clearly wrong about that. Yeah. So so what was it about the 300? Why, why, why did we want to go into the 300? Is it about the... What was the myth? I think that there was... Different forms of love? Oh, yeah. But th- that, that, you know, that that's what scares people is like that love is is sort of finite. And that was kind of the last point that I wanted to make right. with you is that the myth that people that are in non-monogamous relationships or polyamorous people are less committed, their right. their relationships are less stable, that they don't really love each other. I spoke to someone um, a little while ago and we were talking about non-monogamy and I didn't tell this person that I was in, in a non-monogamous relationship. Okay. Which is... And it just came up in conversation. Well, yeah, there was something. It was, I think, it was like back with the with the red table talk and all of that kind of stuff. Oh, right, right, and right. And we were just kind of talking about about that. The, and I, and I don't, Smith and I don't Smith. share, I don't share it with everybody. But somebody said, you know, you know, if 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 your partner can just go fuck someone else, like they must not love you. Huh. And I think that's a very pervasive myth 
about about non-monogamy that yeah. you know the partners don't really love each other that you're less committed that the relationship is less stable that you know and and I remember having very early conversations with you about this almost as soon as we met and you had talked about love not being finite yeah not being a finite resource yeah so what do you what do you say what do you say to people who would say would suggest that our relationship is less committed or less stable or that I must not really love you if I can fuck other guys or Mm -hmm. you must not really love me if you can fuck other women and that you know what would you say to that well I think the ancient Greeks were onto something there about the different types of love because there are different versions of it. And, and what I always say to people when, when I have that conversation, when they, when they express that fear, I talk about, well, like you have, at birth anyways, two parents. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah. And you love both your parents, mm-hmm. right? And having, having a parent doesn't mean that you can't love the other one, right? right? And I use the children example. You're like, well, you're not fucking children. I get it. But wh- you're not fucking your parents either. You're hopefully. not fucking. It's a different kind of, it's a different kind of love. But the concept of love is such that it is limitless. That if you have a child, you love that child. You, you never think you could love anything as much as your child. And I had the fear when I had my second child, like, oh shit, like I'm not going to be able to love it the way I love my first child. I'm going to have to take some love from my first child to give to the second child. No, you realize you have an even larger capacity for love. And I think that even though it's a different kind what, of love, and, and also about like let, let let's take that let's take that and 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 expand it a little bit. You think about the love that you have for your friends. Do you like? Do you do you pull a Tom Segura and you go? I'm all friended up. Thanks. <laughs> I can't. I can't make I, any more I, friends. I'm all done with making friends. Like fuck Steve. I don't want to make any more <laughs> friends. Like, do you do that? No. You just expand. You expand. Yeah. If there are your, reasons to expand your social network to the point where you incorporate somebody else into your life for whatever whatever the benefit is that both of you get, yeah, you can totally do that. And I think that. We are tricked into believing that when you find the person that you're romantically attracted to, that all of your attention and focus goes to them. And if it doesn't, it means that the relationship isn't real or isn't genuine or there's something wrong with it. And I think the concept of compersion is one of the ways that helps people understand. And compersion is one of these emotions that you almost have to experience it to believe it you really do i mean academically i understood what compersion was and compersion is kind of like the opposite of jealousy whereas with jealousy you feel anger or pain fear fear those kinds of despair despair compersion is kind of like the opposite Mm -hmm. of that Mm -hmm. where you feel joy for your partner and in this kind of context while they're receiving pleasure or something along those lines right and when you experience it for the first time you go Holy shit. It's very profound. Yeah. When you expect, when you see this and you've had this conversation, you've opened up your relationship with your partner and you've got good communication and you've, you, you've set good boundaries and you've decided, or you, you, you know, and you're in a position now where you're going to, you're going to actually act on that open relationship and it, and to not feel jealousy, but to feel the opposite of that is very, very, very different. It's intoxicating almost to to, to feel that, that compersion there. Yeah, and I also think that a lot of the fear has to do with you imagining that the love that your partner feels for you is going to be exactly the same that they feel mm-hmm. for another partner. And and this is the kind of thing, this is, you know, instead of it being a fearful thing, I think it's been really a really interesting thing to dive into and it's been one of the one of the unexpected joys is seeing the bonds that you form with the people that you have relationships with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, like in the context of an open relationship. Yeah. Like, because there are, because there are opportunities to have bonds with people that you never imagined there would be. Yeah. Like, did you ever imagine that you would bond with another man that you've, seen have sex with me yeah right yeah it seems crazy it seems crazy yeah and and that's a sort of love between the two of you and then there's then there's a love between you and his female partner yeah and vice versa with all of those with all of those things Mm -hmm. and that those bonds that you create with people where you're completely 
you know, you, you have a, a security and a comfort in your relationship with me, but then also we can go and do these things and experience these bonds with other people that you would never imagine would happen. It just, and then you go, wow, see, it's fine. And, and I think that's, that's what, when people say, you know, I, I don't, I don't experience jealousy anymore. I think it's because it's not that it's not still there. I'm mm. sure that it would bubble up at certain, in mm-hmm. certain situations, but it's just that you've gotten a po- to a point in your relationship where you flexed that, those communication muscles or those, yeah. those, yeah. those muscles of, you know, peeling back the onion and rationalizing and going, you know what, this is actually fine. Like you need to like, just calm down or talk. Yeah. Talk. Open your mouth. Communicate, communication and trust me goes so far. In yeah, all of this. absolutely. And I, I, the idea that there are different types of love and different loving relationships between people that may include sex, it may not include sex. But once you start to learn that your partner can feel love for other people and not leave you. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. It's a really big deal because I think that is the biggest, one of the biggest fears is that people's fear of being left. Yeah. And abandoned and no longer mattering. That's something that you expressed to me very early on is that fear of not mattering anymore. Well, and why do you want to be with somebody who doesn't want to be with you? Well, yes, that's true. But it's almost like people imagine that like everything is totally fine in this relationship, but then they have sex with this other person and then they go, oh no, like this is the one, this is the person I want to be This is the kind of sex I want to have. And you know, that, that, that CBC documentary that is now lost forever that we can't find some, one of the little, you know, pieces of, of research that came out is that most people that commit infidelity they have no interest in leaving their partner. Yeah. They don't want to leave their partner. No. But there's they, something missing in their primary relationship well, that uh, they have prioritized and they want to achieve. Or they're just or they're just you know they they're in a situation where they can experience sexual novelty yeah. or adventure and they take that opportunity. And and uh, you know what? Sure, listen. There are cheating pieces of shit out there. Yeah. Don't t- like I'm not going to pretend like there's And not. cheating's not cool. No, it isn't. But also, there's nuances with that too. Yes. I mean, there's it goes beyond just it's an extramarital affair. Yeah, there's there's lots of different lots of different flavors of that too. Yeah, okay, yeah. there's like doing what you need to do to stay sane and stay married and all of that kind mm-hmm. of stuff too. So we don't have to go into all that. But there are people that you know cheat with impunity just because they can. Yeah, and they don't give a fuck, and that's a whole other ball of wax. Yeah, that's and that's not something like I had a friend who whose partner was cheating on them all the time and she found out about it. And so she almost like ripped her insides out because she was fucking him three and four times a day. Cause she figured it, that was going to keep him from, from yeah. cheating on her. Yeah. And did it? No. <laughs> surprise, surprise. He was just a piece of shit. Yeah. Who, who did stuff because he had absolutely zero regard for her personhood. Right. Yeah. And, and the fact that, the fact that anybody would take her up on that offer and go, yeah, I'll fuck you raw inside because because I can. and Yeah, we'll, we'll fuck eight times a day. Yeah. And then I'll also, like, after you fall asleep and, like, you're in a, in fucking, a sex coma. You're in a fucking coma because, like, then I'll, I'm still going to go and fuck whoever I want because I'm a piece God of shit. Damn, eh? Oh, yeah. Like, don't even, <laughs> don't even get me started about that. But that's not, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the idea that love is a limitless resource Mm -hmm. but it's not all the same kind of love and i agree with you i think the greeks had something there about talking about the different types of love and inherently we know that we know that there's different types of love with every emotion we know that it it doesn't have you can be angry at everything it's not like (laughs) it's not like you get angry at the guy that cut you off and you can't get angry at at the next person that cuts you. i'm all out of anger anger. today like with every emotion we know we have a limit, an unlimited it's capacity. Unli- but why is it with love we think that it's limited? I know that's the thing, right? Yeah. That's that's the crazy thing. And isn't more love better? I think so. I think having having more loving relationships is better than having fewer loving relationships of any kind. Yeah. Sexual, non-sexual, it doesn't matter. I just think yes. having good connections. We are a social animal, and having connections is what 
helps us on so many different levels. Helps yeah. our mental health, helps our outlook on life, all these kinds of things. Having more of these good quality social connections is going to be way more beneficial than having less of them. And I also think that we need to understand that there, just like there's different types of love, there's different types of sex too. Yes. That's important. Mm-hmm. Because I think that there's a lot of people out there that think there's only one kind of sex. That the sex that you have. The jackhammer with, sex. No. no I'm, just I'm just kidding. The person <laughs> with the person that you're in love with and, yeah. you know, within that committed relationship. Yes. Separating sex and love, I think, is important as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's lots of different types of sex. Lots of different types of love. Yep. And there's enough to go around for everybody. Who wants it? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where we need to end. Okay. I like it. All right, everyone. All so right. y'all know where to get a hold of us. Yeah, like, follow, because it's not subscribe you don't anymore. Subscribe anymore. No. no, it's follow. And if you have been wondering where the episode notes have been going, if you listen to this podcast on on Apple Podcast, uh, we're working on it. But the Things We Love page has everything in it as well. Yeah, you can visit our website if you're looking for some of the things that we we talk about. Some of our our favorite things, our favorite books, and and clips and all shows kind of and stuff. all that kind of good stuff. Shoot us an email. Leave us a review if you would if you would like. We would love to hear from you. We appreciate the support. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks everyone. See you next time. Bye.